Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to everybody listening wherever and whenever this podcast finds you. Thanks for tuning in and welcome to the Bitcoin Weekly Wrap-Up for the 12th, or I should say 13th of December, 2019. This week's wrap-up is sponsored again by eToro, which is a, a very cool, innovative, and trusted platform. It lets you buy Bitcoin um, and sell it and trade it, do all that kind of good stuff, as well as many other crypto assets safely and securely. Now, they predated Bitcoin by uh, quite a few years, and they've only recently come to the U.S. operating in uh, Europe and um, other parts of the globe. And they offer some really cool stuff for newbies as well as, uh, you know, existing, you know, experienced traders. And one of those things is copy trading. So if you're new, you can actually find trusted uh, traders that know what they're doing. And you could actually allocate, you know, one, 10, 50, 100% of your portfolio to a specific trader or as many as you want to. So you could do um, five traders at 1% each or 10 traders at 10% each, whatever you want. And by doing that, it automatically copies all their trades. If they want to buy Bitcoin right now at 7100, comes up to 7800, they sell it. Uh, then it does the exact same thing with the allocated percentage of your portfolio. Now, if you're an experienced trader and you know what you're doing, unlike going onto Binance or Kraken or whatever, you can actually take advantage of this. You may be going, why do I want to let people copy my trades? Well, the thing is, you'll actually get a percentage of the profits that you generate for them. So you can actually expand your portfolio longer. And the way that you do this and the way that you find these people is actually through their social media platform, which has over 11 million people on it and it allows traders to be able to talk to each other, share strategies and all that kind of stuff. So you can find who you want, copy them. And if you are an experienced trader, you can allow yourself to be found by others and kind of uh, really make a mark uh, for individuals out there and, and let them uh, take advantage of your success while also profiting off of that advantage that you're giving them. So head on over to didyouknowcrypto.com. That's didyouknowcrypto.com slash etoro, E-T-O-R-O. And if you sign up through that link, it's just going to basically redirect you to my affiliate link. Now, this is not about me getting extra money or anything like that. It just lets them know that you came through me, uh, but it'll also give you 50 bucks in your uh, portfolio once you sign up and do a minimum deposit of, I think, around $200. So head over there. Everybody wins. You can get some uh, $50 in cash and you can find some uh, really great, neat and innovative tools there, no matter your experience level. Uh, the next thing I wanted to mention was that uh, if you go over to supportmypodcast.com, you could find uh, ways to support the podcast, but also uh, for for you that's either listening or watching on YouTube, you can actually click on the listener supported discounts as well. And through that, you can actually find discounts on things from onnit.com to buy health supplements. Uh, I use one of theirs in particular, Alpha Brain, which I think really helps with mental clarity and, and your ability to just kind of think, you know, more clearly and you know, throughout the day. Uh, it's 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 actually a really good one that I that I take every single day. Uh, you will also find discounts on Trezor Wallet, uh, Trezor and Crypto Key, um, uh, hardware wallets for Bitcoin. Uh, mushroom coffee, Bitcoin tax software, and I'm looking at adding a bunch 
uh, here pretty soon. So head on over there, take advantage of your discounts. It costs you absolutely nothing. It's absolutely free. It's just a way for me to give back to you, the listeners and, and the watchers here on YouTube. Watchers, viewers, what am I thinking? Um, so welcome again to the beautiful Basement by the Bay Studios. And once again, if you've been watching, I'm joined by my 1995 Batman Forever McDonald's Riddler Cup. Uh, filled with actually water tonight. Um, didn't have time to make tea. But if you're a regular listener, last week you would have heard the uh, inspiring and brave backstory uh, that I gave on why this cup is even here. So, cheers to you. So, let's look at the price. Since last week's uh, wrap-up, Bitcoin has fallen from about 7,500 down to 7,100, and it's currently sitting at 71.94 as of the 12th of December 2019. Today's uh, first story is about happening hype. Now, if you've been uh, mostly, I, I spend more time. I don't really do a lot of Facebook uh, and other social media sites as much as I do Twitter because I find that the Bitcoin community is strongest there and has the most robust discussions. So there's been a lot of talk about this as we lead up to to the happening. Um, a the, the happening is basically um, the having of the Bitcoin reward. So when Bitcoin was first started, it was 50 Bitcoin. Uh, to the miner who who uh, solved the block basically, and every so often uh, it halves. So from 50 to 25, 25 to 12 and a half, and now we're going down another half coming up in May. So an article it appeared where a hedge fund manager predicted that Bitcoin would reach 20 to 50 thousand dollars due to the halving of Bitcoin of uh, that Bitcoin mining reward in May of 2020. Now. There are two camps in Bitcoin. One hyping it that the having is not priced in, meaning that uh, the price does not reflect this, and that it will inferring that it will go up due to the having. And those saying that it's already um, priced in to the price right now, and that this lead up um, really in the next six months is really not going to do much for the price. I tend to agree with the latter. Uh, that the having is already priced in, in which I'll kind of explain here in a little bit. But let me talk about this article. Um, Wang, uh, the managing member of Lightning Capital Management Group LLC, which is a hedge fund, um, it, it was the one who wrote this article. Uh, however, that when we look at that hedge fund, it's only about five hundred thousand in AUM or what's called assets under management, AUM, uh, which is the amount of money that investors have put into the fund in total. So mo most hedge funds, the way that they actually work is there's a manager or managers, and then there's a trading team. And depending how big they are, this can be pretty small or pretty big. Um, and they run roughly generalized on what's called the two in 20 rule, which means uh, every year, um, two percent of the funds that you have invested are given to the fund managers basically as a fee for managing your money um, and 20 percent of the profits made are taken off the top uh, so if a hundred thousand dollars in profits is made they take twenty thousand you get eighty thousand uh, this can vary some are you know maybe one in 25 or three in ten but roughly it's about two in 20 as a, as a industry standard um, 
So you know, to kind of put this in in better context, if you had you know five hundred thousand in assets under management and you are only pulling in around, uh, if you, if for this particular one, if you have five hundred thousand, you're only pulling in about ten thousand dollars a year in fees, and LinkedIn only showed two when I looked it up, only showed two employees in the fund, uh, the managing director who wrote the article and a full stack developer. Um, Given that Bitcoin and other likely crypto assets they may have invested in are only up about 50% this year from a low in the mid 3000s, um, and since the hedge funds don't typically go all in with, you know, every, you know, the, the total assets that they have under management, they only will, you know, they will be, some are more conservative, some are more risky in how they invest, but a good hedge fund is not going to take if you have 500,000 assets under management, just going to go all in on a call. Um, they will, pardon the pun, hedge risk for investors. That's kind of what you're getting paid for is to, you know, basically do this on their behalf. I mean, anybody can just go all in hoping for the best. You're actually paying for them to invest when it seems like a good investment and to hedge and be more conservative with their investments when it does not look like it's a good time to go into the market at all. Um, so it's likely that they are up in 2019, but really not by a lot. This is all to say that while the headline of hedge fund predicts high Bitcoin price, you know, it sounds very nice and it makes us feel good for those of us who go, we would like to see our investments go up and all that kind of good stuff. And it, you know, and it also infers that Wall Street players are betting on Bitcoin longs. The hedge fund announcing it isn't like a MySpace to Facebook comparison, uh, in, in terms of the hedge fund industry, but more like the guy who just started a forum board to Facebook comparison. And this isn't to, you know, down or, you know, to talk down to him or anything like that. Uh, everybody's got to start from somewhere. So good on him for being able to find half a million dollars in investor money that they want to invest with him. But, um, you know, real players on Wall Street don't even know that they exist um for, for the most part like you know, tr true hedge funds true uh large investment brokers are not going to be aware uh of, of a small hedge fund a hedge fund like this there there's a lot of them out there um so you know this doesn't impugn once again his this guy's ability to deliver for clients but it's not really some sort of blockbuster revelation it's not like Goldman Sachs making this prediction or something like that. Not that I trust Goldman Sachs, but I'm saying like, as far as foregoing, like, wow, these are like real big players in the industry saying that they have a lot of confidence in Bitcoin. This is not it at, at all. Um, so I, I really don't have a, a, a lot of like wow factor for this. In the same vein of this, uh, this first story, there's another story and they all kind of play into the happening. Uh, it appeared that Bitmain has been changing its business strategy ostensibly to take advantage of possible uh, of the new possible bull market for Bitcoin due to the having, or at least anticipated or hoped for. Previously, when you would go to buy Bitmain, Bitmain products, if you don't know who they are, they they sell Bitcoin mining hardware, so the actual. Uh, miners that uh, will mine Bitcoin. And I believe that they still are the largest, though I, I may not be correct in that. Um, but they, I, I'm pretty sure they're still the largest hardware 
uh, manufacturer. Uh, I would look it up right now, but I don't want to make you guys sit there and listen to me tinkle uh, keys on here. Uh, so previously, like I said, when you'd go to buy from Bitmain um, any of their products, you'd have to pay upfront in full. So if you wanted to buy a new miner that cost you know, two, three thousand dollars, you had to put two, three thousand dollars down. If you're making a hundred thousand dollar order, you had to put a hundred thousand dollars down to actually make the order. Whereas now they're offering, if you pre order between a hundred and nine hundred ninety nine miners, you only have to put down fifty percent. Or if you're buying five thousand units or more, twenty percent. Um, and they're also offering a program basically to subsidize miners' energy. I believe it's like five cents a kilowatt, so it's not the full amount. But uh, if if you only pay five cents a kilowatt, you're not paying anything in energy costs. If you're paying ten, then then, then you're only paying five cents. That's you know you can get the picture. Um, but Bit Bitmain will get seventy five percent of the Bitcoin mined, um, as well as offering put options, which these will pay out. These are kind of like um, they they pay out if Bitcoin's price drops. Um, and this is for, you know, large orders. So this helps speculative miners, people who are going like, we want to, we were thinking about getting the Bitcoin, but we're not really sure. Maybe it could be dropping in the near future or anything like that. Um, and it helps them defray any losses and possibly actually even profit. Maybe if Bitcoin, their put options are for if Bitcoin drops below $5,000 during the time it takes to get delivery. So if you put a bunch of investment into Bitcoin mining hardware, between the time that you place the order and when you actually get it, if it drops below that, they will pay out. And this is all, of course, excuse me, to spur orders for Bitmain, which they really need if they ever want to try and do an IPO again. It needs strong sales, not just profit. So if this works out, uh, they may not have in in this, you know, like if they get a bunch of orders in this quarter, uh, in the first quarter of like 2020, uh, they may not have the same profit margin that they had before because they're not getting the full upfront cost, but they may make up for it or even exceed it in orders. And by showing stronger demand, this is a real signal to investors if they want to IPO. And so this way, I mean, it is a risk uh, by people putting down these orders and everything like that and not paying uh, the full price that they that they they do take a little bit of risk of not getting the full amount for their hardware, but I think it's a good calculated risk and that they will spur larger orders. And if someone, I'm sure I didn't look in like the the actual contracts of everything, but I'm sure there's some clauses in there that if you cancel a certain time, they keep a certain amount and that that kind of thing. Um, so I, I think it's actually, as far as from their perspective of trying to drive up more sales to be more. Uh, to, to, to look a little bit more shiny for a possible uh, new attempt at an IPO, plus with Jihan getting back control of the company after a lot of internal tussling, um, I, I think that this will really kind of help gain investors' confidence. And I this is really what I think that they're getting at. So long story, or I should say long story short, but to, to get to what I was uh, trying to get at, uh, why do I think that the happening is already priced in Havings are well known ahead of time. It's true in the past we have seen run-ups in price uh, that you could say are correlated, not necessarily causation, but it could be a good case for correlation um, to, to halvings. I mean, right now you can find countdown clocks. If you go and you Google Bitcoin halving countdown, you'll find countdown clocks to Bitcoin's halving date 
uh, with just, you know, just simple Google or DuckDuckGo, whatever you want, search. This isn't a surprise consumer demand like we saw in 2013, 2017, where, uh, you know, it's a bunch of outsiders. I mean, no one who isn't inside the world of Bitcoin already, uh, if you aren't inside the world of Bitcoin already, the, the, you don't know. Like if I call up my uncles, if I call up my friends um, if I, you know, that aren't in Bitcoin, um, you know, they, they, they will recognize the word Bitcoin. They'll have a bunch of crazy ideas probably about it, depending. Uh, but they have no idea of a halving that's upcoming. Um, those that are convinced uh, it will be a bull market, um, that, that this is going to result in a bull market run, have or are already currently buying now, pricing it in. If you are expecting a run up to Bitcoin in the next six months, you're not going to wait until it's already going up to start buying. You're going to start buying now. So the few who are convinced of having a result in this price spike are not going to be sitting on cash waiting until April to do it. If their contention, if their belief that this will be a bull run in anticipation of the halving is correct, the best time to buy was really probably in March when it was like 3000 But the best time to buy was before now. The second best time would be now. Since if they are right and we get closer, more people are going to buy in in anticipation of it. Um, you know... It, the problem with the anticipation uh, it, it, is it's, you know, it already fits into the category of those buying before and those buying now. Like, like I said, if you ask anybody, it's not, not like in 2013, 2017, where all these people who had never really maybe had heard the word Bitcoin, had no idea about it, started to hear about price going up and I can make a lot of money. That's why they were jumping in. Nobody outside of Bitcoin is hearing anything about it. It's not, there's not big articles where the normies are, are going to have heard about this at all. So I, I just, I don't see this FOMO and anticipation coming in. Um, a large majority of the 2017 speculators who took heavy losses, let's just say that this pl you know, plays out, that there is this bull run, whatever. Uh, a lot of the people who kind of jumped in not really knowing what was going on in 2017 other than I can make money and took heavy losses in December and in 2018 if they held through, if they haven't already sold yet, um, they are likely to be ready to just break even in another run-up. So whether they bought in at 20000 or 15000 or whatever, I guess we already we hit fifteen briefly again, Um are, are, are probably going to likely be just going like, oh, great, I can actually just kind of get out clean. Um, I'm not going to, you know, sit there and try to run this up again. And I think that's, uh, that this market pressure will dampen market enthusiasm. Why did I say it like that? Market enthusiasm, um, not repeating 2017 again in this kind of massive all-time high run up again. Those that spurred the 2017 market were those who had bought Bitcoin um, years ago and sold uh, uh, years before that and didn't want to miss it again, as well as, you know, so people like myself, like I kind of started to buy more Bitcoin back in 2017 as I saw this run up because I remembered what had happened in 2013. I didn't really hold anything um, after 2013. 
Uh, there, I, I was doing. There's a bunch of stuff going on in my life at that time. A bunch of major changes, and and so I basically sold all my mining hardware. I sold all my my Bitcoin and my Litecoin and all the stuff that I had at the time, and. I, I regret it. It's the biggest financial mistake I've ever made in my life was doing that. Everyone's got that story that's been in Bitcoin long enough. Um, so there was people like me who bought and sold or just maybe held on just to like a little bit or whatever and was like, well, I'm not going to miss out on this. And we're starting to buy again in 2017. On top of that, like I said, the normies who had, uh, were jumping in and had no idea what they were buying, jumping from one hype coin to another, thinking the train would never stop or derail, like this is going to go up forever or, you know, I heard a guy on YouTube say it could go up to fifty or a hundred thousand or a million dollars by the end, you know, by the end of next year in twenty eighteen. It's not what happened though. To think that noobs who are who at best only heard of Bitcoin and never touched it before or got burned in twenty seventeen and sold out, um, which were basically the, the 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 former of that, where the vast majority of people jumping in in twenty seventeen. That you take all those people, all these noobs that bought and got burned or didn't buy and kind of wish that they had been able to take advantage of early on, um, that that they are they're going to jump back in because they hear about a mining reward having that's not on any of the newbie normie um, publications uh, and and somehow jump into crypto Twitter randomly and hear about it and are going to anticipate this you know the, you can't anticipate an event that you're not aware of um or understand and and at best i think that this is kind of a bit of hopium as we call it or naivety naivety gosh i can't pronounce anything to today uh, uh um naivety naivete gosh all right i won't say that word anymore um is I think a lot of what's going on. I think that a lot of people in Bitcoin like to like to uh, like to tweet out and and do a lot of stuff that they know is going to get likes because every you know everybody in whatever coin that they're in with you know, or even in Bitcoin like to hear that what they want to hear is being said by someone that is more popular or has more credibility than them. Um, I won't go to the extent of saying that it's shilling, but it's kind of, uh, it's starting to approach that a little bit. But, you know, and, and that's also to say, none of this is investment advice. This is just my opinion. Don't take this educational only, all that kind of good stuff, right? Never buy or sell Bitcoin based on what I say. Um, you know, take what I say, take what other people say, form that into your own opinions um, and and uh, make your own decisions. Um, but I do believe though, with all that being said, that Bitcoin will over time gain in value, but no one outside of Bitcoin who's not in, excuse me, not inside already cares about halvings. Uh, so the next story, MakerDAO, MakerDAO, an Ethereum-based stablecoin was revealed to have a potential loophole that would allow for a large holder of DAI, D-A-I, the name for the stablecoin, uh, which is pegged to be roughly about a dollar, and it's actually, uh, I've been actually somewhat impressed. I'm not impressed with actually how it works, but the fact that it, it is interesting, I would say that, but um, uh, I haven't been impressed with how it actually functions behind the scene, but that, that's a different story. Um, that they basically, a loophole was found that if you take around 20 million die, I think it was up to like 26 million by the time of publishing, but let's just say 20 to 30. 
um, you could steal the entire 300 million die that's locked up. Um, now, this is obviously not something that you or I could do, or maybe you can, you know, good on you. If uh, if you have uh, 20 million or 30 billion dollars available to buy the, uh, the die necessary to do that, feel free to send some my way. If you go to digitalcrypto.com, scroll down to the bottom, you can donate various cryptocurrencies from Bitcoin to um, BAT to whatever. Um, I also take Ripple because I'm more than happy to take Ripple convert it either to Bitcoin or to cash to help fund this uh, this podcast. So feel free to donate whatever you want. I take everything. Um, but anyways, yeah, if you got 20, 30 million cents on my way. But, you know, because you or I, average person listening to this is not going to be able to do that because you need tens of millions of dollars, which precludes basically anybody but some really large players in this space or outside this space. Um, there are actually a couple large stakeholders in Dai who could do this already, but it's unlike you know unlikely some anonymous person could do so. It's unlikely but not impossible. Um, since anybody who doesn't already have that amount already buying at that kind of volume in a very short period of time will require a larger than what I stated investment, as the price would rise in the short term from that buying pressure. That being said, if someone something like that happened one the value that you hold that 20 to 30 million um that you originally invested and steal the whole 30 300 million would plummet because people either exchanges start just delisting it not accepting it until it, whatever the fix would be was fixed um would not allow you to cash out um and the value would just dump uh, immediately if they found out that basically somebody stole all of it um you know so that that provides a you know negative incentive for you to do so and the second would be is that ethereum would likely just hard fork as they did with the dow hack to reverse the stolen funds or i shouldn't say really reverse it but just basically roll back and and make that event a a non-event well, I think that the uh, the precedent that Ethereum set was forever damaging to this any concept of immutability on the Ethereum network. Uh, it does actually have an ancillary effect of disincentivizing it happening again, uh, since you know Ethereum would fork off and leave them with nothing. So, I, I think that Ethereum was permanently damaged by this. I think that it was a bad call, but now that the call has been made. I, I do have to recognize that it, it does have this effect of providing, uh, you know, basically a warning to anybody uh, doing any kind of large scale um, hacks like this and stealing uh, that, that amount of money. If, you know, so basically what Ethereum is saying, like, if you do a really anything like massive on a, on a cataclysmic, you know, scale for a project, uh, we will reverse it. And all this really means is that, it's fine if you steal, you know, $100,000 out of somebody's wallet or $5,000 out of somebody's wallet or project or whatever. Uh, we're not going to intervene for the average folk, just for big players. So, and also if it is against Vitalik's interests, because they knew long ago they were going to be moving from proof of work to proof of stake and having somebody with that large of stake in Ethereum would basically be a challenge to Vitalik and the Ethereum foundation's ability to actually control the network as they saw fit once they go to proof of stake but once again that is a different different story that we don't need to cover here 
Uh, the last one that I wanted to cover was on my favorite little piggy, Craig Wright. And I, I don't, I, I'm kind of going to be ad-libbing this. Um, so I saw a post by, uh, I'm sorry if I'm butchering the guy's name, Alistair Milne. Um, I haven't come across this stuff before. So he posted a screenshot in BSV Slack of, of Craig Wright saying, in two years, and this is this is uh, me exaggerating his caps lock. In two years, everything will be out. Everyone will believe me. Many will want me dead. But it will be seen in full soon. So what does this mean? For those of you who have not been following the Craig Wright drama, you're probably better off for it. Basically, the... the the side story of all this is that Craig Wright claimed to be Satoshi. He also claimed that the 1 million Satoshi Bitcoins that are believed to be held by, by Satoshi that have never moved, um, which is another story for Craig's bullshittedness. Apologies for my language. Uh, it, it, but that's a different side story. We don't have to go down as well. I should really call this podcast. I've thought about it calling it I Digress because I constantly do that. Um, but he, one of the reasons he said that he couldn't move the Bitcoins or sell them or anything like that was because they were locked up in something called the Tulip Trust, which he was not allowed to touch until January of 2020. And TikTok, 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 that's in, well, really, we got what? Um, boop, boop, boop. It's the 12th today. So we got one week, two week. We got 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19 days and a wake up. And Craig should be able to prove everybody wrong um he's also said that well you know maybe not it's not exactly in january it could be any other day sorry for you guys on youtube i got something in my eye here but he is he's continually kicked the can down the road there's always an explanation for why what is necessary to make just the most basic foundational start to prove who you are can't be done right um, you know, I can't, I'm not going to do a public signing of a transaction with a group of trusted, um, nonpartisan, non-biased cryptography experts to make sure there's no funny business going on. I won't do that publicly, or I won't even do that privately with a bunch of them and in a controlled setting. Um, because I already did that privately with my team and one guy on two different occasions. Um, I won't move coins because I don't need to prove anything to anybody. Also, I will get all these coins that I had locked up that he has said in court, everything that he mined prior to 2013 was in this trust. Okay. So now he's kicking the can down the road, apparently, where he's saying in two years, everything will be out. I mean, this is what's going to be seized on when January ends next year or next well, I guess, yeah, next year when January ends and everybody in Bitcoin is saying, well, it's February 1st. Why didn't the Bitcoin move? Well, Craig said it was going to be two more years. And uh, Painted Frog uh, on Twitter, you know, said it, you know, mostly correctly. Is this him kicking the can down the road? Um, he also tweeted, also, why would this courier even need to come on January 21st or January 1st, 2020, when the alleged trust document stipulates that Craig Wright would receive his shares, shares, in 15 months in the event of Dave Kleiman's death? Shouldn't he already have him? And he's absolutely right. And I didn't ever catch that. I read this document a bunch. It's just like a, basically a, a 
Word document. It's not legal, which is funny because Craig always has all this preoccupation with the law is the law. Everything should be legal and everything like that. But he never went and got this notarized or anything like that. Um, where he has, you know, basically outlining the supposed trust that Dave Kleiman and him set up for this 1 million Bitcoin. Um, where is it? Uh, oh, yeah. And Dave Kleiman wrote, uh, supposedly, in this document, towards right at the end, if I should die, Dr. Wright will be returned shares in the Tulip Trust and Company 15 months after my death at his discretion. So, 15 months was over quite a few years ago. So, what does this mean? It means that the document is crazy. He did, uh, Painted Frog also said that uh, I couldn't, get this um i couldn't get this actually uh, what am i thinking of I, I i couldn't um actually confirm this myself but he wrote that uh he claimed that craig claimed that he wrote it while drunk um so i i, I can't confirm that so i won't say that's actually truth uh but there's also a little bit more to this as well because in court depositions, uh, what date was this? I mean, it's it's really hard to. This was June twenty eighth of this year. In it, in his uh, evidentiary hearing, his deposition in front of a U.S. district court, um, the I believe it was the process, not the prosecutor, but I believe it was the uh, Climate Estates lawyer asked, "What if this doesn't ha doesn't happen?" in reference to all these su supposed uh, encrypted Shamir scheme keys that need that will come to him. That's what's in the bonded courier. It's not like a hardware wallet or a paper wallet with the Bitcoin on it. That'd be too crazy, right? You just trust all these shards that if put together would give you the, the Bitcoin. Um, but that these couriers are delivering these fragments to him. Uh, and once he puts these fragments together and decrypts it, that's going to give him the keys to the Tulip Trust uh, Bitcoin. Uh, but he asked, what if this doesn't happen? Like, what if the couriers don't come or whatever? Uh, Craig said, then I'll make it work to make, then I'll work to make more money to pay back the debt that I've caused by creating this. What he's trying to say is the debt of creating Bitcoin and all the terrible things of dark markets that have happened because he created Bitcoin. Um, I'll, I'll digress again. Like, I'm sorry. Like, this guy really bothers me. And you could say I'm getting triggered. Yeah, absolutely. He's trying to steal. Uh, he's trying to claim to be one of the most important people, if not the most important person of the 21st century. Um, and the person I believe that is Satoshi was a just a absolutely wonderful person that no one's ever said a bad thing about them, ever. Everyone that's I've, I've ever heard talk about them just talked about what a wonderful, kind, gentle, giving person, a person that worked in the shadows to help many products, never taking any credit for it. Um, and the fact that he's trying to steal that, that man's legacy absolutely infuriates me. So that's why. Uh, but he's trying to say that he feels so bad about what Bitcoin led to. And it has, has there been bad stuff that Bitcoin was used to buy or sell or fund? Absolutely. But that counts for anything. And the idea that BSV can't be, if BSV is censorship free, immutable, all the kind of stuff that he claims he wrote in the white paper, there's nothing stopping drug or sex traffickers or anything else like that from using BSV to do this. Unless he's going to say that he, well, I can force miners to rewrite the chain and stop them. 
right? But then you have a whole totally different. It becomes not Bitcoin if miners are just going to arbitrarily say, well, you're not allowed to do it, but you're okay. That's a real problem. But anyways, the, the idea that somehow Bitcoin BTC has a problem and this debt that he created, but BSV is the savior of it, is absolutely ridiculous and makes absolutely no sense. So getting back to this, um, so then the lawyer asked, so it's possible, if I understand your testimony, Dr. Wright, that you may never access the coins for your beneficiaries at all. Craig answered, if I don't access them, I'll keep inventing enough patents and other technology to fund what I was going to do in my fund another way. The lawyer asked, but my question is whether you agree that it is possible that you may never gain access to the coins. Is that correct? Craig Wright answered, that's correct. Um, the lawyer then clarified with, it is possible that you never may never be able to decrypt the encrypted file that allow you to run the algorithm to produce not only the public as addresses, but access the uh, intellectual property and the private keys and all that. Uh, and Craig Wright said, that is correct. I think it's really telling as well here where, hold on. Um, oh, sorry. Um, sorry to do this. Um, he, there's another section I didn't, I didn't save this uh, with. I didn't save the specific second page that I was going to look at. I, I won't be able to. I'm not going to make you guys wait. I, I, I won't be able to um do this uh yeah i won't be able to do this word for word but there is a section um oh right here uh, have you just oh, so the lawyer asked have you discussed the possibility that the key fragments never arrive um this is earlier in the deposition that the key fragments never arrive and you're unable to access the coins with your family craig answers yes are they concerned the lawyer asked craig answers no and then why not? And then Craig just goes, I've got enough money and everything like that. So the idea that he's previously previously discussed the possibility that the key fragments would never arrive with his family. Supposedly he said that, but by admitting that, he's saying that if my story is true, I do believe I might not be able to do this. Now this all ties in with Calvin Ayers was in secret negotiations we found out, I think it was about a month or so ago with the Kleiman estate to buy the estate. He said it was because there was also... Uh, Bitcoin that was mined by Kleiman that was not part of the Tulip Trust. I believe it was about 300000 that he would look to buy. And, you know, they they looked through all the, basically all the stuff that Dave had. And he's not looking at Dave's baseball cards and, and um, you know, collections of whatever, right? He's going to be looking at what's on his computers and the hard drives. Calvin said that there's nothing there because... Basically, all the information has been lost or destroyed by the family trying to break into them. And there must have been some sort of thing uh, on the encryption, possibly, if, if Calvin is correct, that perhaps too many attempts wipe them or just they're unreadable because of one reason or the other. I think that that whole thing that Calvin was doing, this is just my opinion, I'm not stating fact, um, was to try to see what Dave had um, and if there's any ability for them to basically probably uh, copy those hard drives and break into them themselves um, and you know if there was Bitcoin that Dave had mined back in the day because I don't believe 
that Dave was involved in Bitcoin. I don't believe Dave and Craig created Bitcoin, but I do think that Dave might have been in there early and Craig had heard about it because him and Dave had worked together. And it's a possibility, too, that I think that maybe Craig had mined Bitcoin um, early on as well. I don't think it was Satoshi, but I think he came later on if that is a possibility. So maybe they were trying to see if they could steal some early Bitcoin that may have been previously unknown that David Mine never touched and hadn't moved that they that may have been attributed to Satoshi, but that Dave had been mined um, because uh, being, uh, you know, for whatever reason, maybe they lined up. And since they were early Bitcoins that had been mined that nobody ever moved, some of those have been attributed to Satoshi. If he could gain access and move those later blocks, they may be, but he could try and spin a win out of that. I also think that they wanted to see if perhaps if the all the data is lost, if all the data is corrupted, um, and they were able to determine that, that this would make their story or the way that they spin out of this whole tulip trust thing. Because Craig being Satoshi, I'm sorry I'm going so long for it's usually a 20 to 30 minute episode here. But what Craig's also t story and BSV lies on, as much as they will say that Craig does not matter, and the fact that they have been saying that more and more leads me to believe a lot of them are starting to understand that this is starting to unwind. And very soon in the future, when the Tulip Trust doesn't happen, I think it's going to be a real big hit, but, you know, we'll see. Um, BSV is called Bitcoin Satoshi's Vision, Right. And they all believe that Craig is Satoshi. If Craig turns out not to be Satoshi, then it's whose vision? You know, then it's Bitcoin Craig's vision, right? Because Craig has dictated what's happening on there, um, and and is the direction of where it's going, kind of. So, without having Satoshi, right? Who they you know if, if they believe he's Satoshi, if you don't have Satoshi on there, you're just another Bitcoin fork. Right. There's nothing to stop anybody else from coming along and doing the exact same thing. Granted, they got a lot more money behind him, but it's all Calvin's money. If Calvin finally gets the wool pulled over, uh, pulls the wool from his eyes uh, and that money starts to leave, that's going to be very, very bad for that project. But um, I think that this is a look at their exit strategy and that if they can do, they've been starting to move in this direction that. You know, I think what they're one, what I think is the most likely possibility based on my opinions was going to happen is that 20 January doesn't happen and he's going to try to play this two more years, kick the can down the road thing. But I think at some point he's going to have to put up or shut up. People are going to be asking, well, have the couriers arrived yet? Where are they? They were supposed to get there. Um, and he's going to have to come up with a reason why two years is going to happen because it, it's starting to stretch. Inc uh, I'm not going <laughs> to incredulity. Uh, I can't pronounce anything tonight. I'm sorry. It's it's late. I I had a function earlier and I had a uh, I couldn't record this at my normal or normal earlier time, but I think it's going to start uh, to to stretch the faith of those in BSV in him. If he doesn't start to provide some proof, if he continues to kick this can and go, well, yeah, the couriers, uh, I, I found out, aren't going to be able to to do this until 2022 now or 2021, right? It's going to start to look a little bit goofy. So I don't know what excuse he's going to have. What the excuse could be is that, well, I've got this, but you know, uh, the way that 
Dave actually did it. I didn't realize he did it this way. And we're going to have to work on trying to actually decrypt one of these last keys that got encrypted differently than what Dave told me or something like that. Or the other possibility will be that they are going to say, well, Dave did this and he screwed it up. We can never uh, decrypt these keys ever. It's lost forever. Or um, that the family overwrote the the uh, decryption program that that Craig uh, that Dave supposedly had um, some sort of thumb drive or something on it that he always kept on his person, which is obviously probably uh, the keys to uh, his encryption and and uh, for a lot of different things. And they're going to claim that the family overrode it, which they maybe did. But this is going that will be the key to why I can never move the keys. But that being said. You know, if you want to say that that is true and that's why he can't touch the Satoshi coins and, and prove in the way that the haters want to see him do and finally, you know, move all the Bitcoin. He won't be able to do the big sell-off of a million Bitcoin and destroy BTC, which now he says he won't do. He has already, um, already by signing a transaction for Gavin with Block 9, and I believe it was Block 14 or Block 15 with the other guy that proves that he has the key to actually do it. So he could still move those. How he's going to worm himself out of that, I have no idea. But it's going to be very interesting. And anyways, I, I don't want to I don't want to keep you guys uh, any longer. This was a longer wrap-up episode, but uh, I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, please go and uh, like, like us on our social media platforms. Follow me on Twitter. And really helpful, if you guys could go to iTunes. Even if you don't use iTunes, just sign up for an account real quick. Go to Did You Know, a podcast, five stars at a written review. It really helps immensely. Go to um, uh, supportmypodcast.com. There's other ways. Do your Christmas shopping through my Amazon link. That would really help. I want to do some more upgrades with the, with the podcast, but it takes money. And I also have a family and I have three kids. So I can't just keep you know dumping constantly money into this. I took all the all the money I got from my eToro um sponsorship and i this is what about the lights the green screen the video editing program if you notice the video editing's gotten a lot better uh, a mixer um the the panels if you're watching on youtube you'll see my acoustic panels that i used and i did the whole thing to do a little bit better sound so it really helps so if you could go to amazon and just every time you want to go shopping just click on that link um, bookmark that Amazon link that you go through on, on the podcast supporters site there at supportmypodcast.com bookmark it. And every time you're going to shop on Amazon, just use that link. It would really help. Uh, but, uh, also if you're in, uh, if you are on YouTube, go and hit the subscribe button and click the bell that is right next to it. And that will give you all the notifications whenever I upload or do live streams. Um, I, I post, uh, an episode twice a week on youtube and i'm going to start doing my live streams again a little bit more on the reg um also show my sponsors some love at etoro uh did you know crypto.com slash etoro get your 50 bucks for free and also i want to say thank you guys for listening if you're listening <laughs> if you're listening to the podcast thank you for for listening if you're watching thank you for watching i really do appreciate it i know that there's an element of trust 
uh, that you have to give someone to be able to want to spend 30 minutes, an hour, two hours with some of my longer episodes uh, to give to that person. So that's time out of your life that I really appreciate you, you know, uh, trusting me with. Um, so if you guys want to contact me, feel free. DMs, emails are always open. And I hope you guys have a great day or night or afternoon, whatever it may be, wherever you are. And thanks for listening and watching.